Support for Recovery Talks, the podcast, and rockandrecovery.com provided by Ohio Means Jobs, Summit, and Medina Counties. Recognizing that looking for a job can be tough, especially if you're also navigating a path to recovery. Ohio Means Jobs, Summit, and Medina Counties offer career coaching, support services, and training for in-demand careers. For more information, summitmedinaomj.org. Direct from Akron, Ohio, the epicenter of modern recovery. This is Recovery Talks, the podcast. From those in recovery to those working in recovery, meet those who are shining the light on Recovery Talks right now. Welcome, everybody, to this edition of Recovery Talks, the podcast. I'm really honored to have Angel Nichols today. And is it okay if I call you Angel? Yeah, that's fine. Okay, cool, because, you know, it could be Angelica, right? It could be. Right. So we talked about that a minute ago. So yeah. how long has it not been Angelica? Um, Most of my life. Really? Yeah, I didn't like it as a kid. Really? It took time to grow right. into it. Yeah. Did kids make funny and stuff when you said Angelica? They didn't. Really? No. Because I wouldn't have made fun of you either. Because I yeah. would be like, whoa, you're going mm-hmm. to you're gonna do me, do me. Yeah. So you've got a lot of really interesting letters after your name. You know, I did some research on you. I yeah. went, went a searching. Right. So LPN, I think I'm familiar with CDCA. I'm familiar with, but OCPS. Ohio Certified Peer Supporter. That's awesome. Yep. Okay, cool. Yep. All of them. So OCPS. Mm -hmm. So my certification is P, uh, Ohio Peer Supporter. So it's a little bit different. So I don't know if that that makes a difference or not, but I do know that there's a whole bunch of different classifications of Mm -hmm. peer supporter coming out now, family-based, adult-based, and then, uh, right. So yeah, I just saw yesterday a, a presentation on that. So you are clinical coordinator for ARC Recovery Services, right? And ARC stands for Addiction Recovery in Christ. It does. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. See, I, I know a thing. <laughs> I know a thing, right? Yeah, you're doing well. You're doing well. I know well. a thing, you know. For our listeners out there and our viewers out there that may not be familiar with ARC, ARC is a community organization that offers recovery services. And currently you have two recovery houses for men, right? Mm-hmm. And one brand new recovery house for women. We you do. have capacity for 19 people. Yes. Right. Are they always full? Uh, they stay pretty consistent. Right. They stay pretty consistent. Right. So So what's the average time that people stay there usually? The program that we have is six months to one year, but right. um, like I went through the program, I was there for 14 months. I've had somebody stay right. for 18 months. Right. It, it really is individualized. That's a great segue. Yeah. So eventually you ended up there, right? I did. Right. So obviously we are here because we are both people who are in recovery from uh, substance use disorder, or at least I am. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've heard your story a couple different places, but I think it would be great for our listeners if maybe we talked about, you know, how it is that we come here to talk. How did Angel get here? Sure. Well, I'm kind of like your typical concoction of a, you know, ex-drug addict. Mm. I was born in Detroit, Michigan to two heroin addicts, you mm. know, in, in a trailer. It literally sounds like the opening to, um, I always goof around and say like 8 Mile or whatever, right. to just a bad movie, you know, right. just yeah. a bad movie. Mm-hmm. Not that 8 Mile was bad, you know, to right. whoever, right. you know, that might offend somebody, but... um you know, both heroin addicts, born into right. poverty, you know, had right. a bunch of identity issues growing up, meaning right. like um, I had to go to school um, in my grandparents' neighborhood, which was a right. primarily white neighborhood, you know, middle class. Uh, I was living in the slums with my mom and my dad, right. and so I'd have to go into school. I'd have to lie about where I was from. Right. I always felt like I stuck out. 
right. or people knew that I was lying. Right. So right, right from the beginning, I had to lie about who I was, right. you know, which um, created like this huge ripple effect in everything that I ever did or I laid my hands to or I even mm. thought about. Um, it was like walking around hiding this constant secret, not allowing the world to see who I really was. So you really felt different than most kids. Oh, 100%. School, right? Yeah. I even think right. like when I look back in hindsight, I swear, and I'm still going to hold steady to this. And I know that we use words in the room like terminally unique, right. but I do believe that I was different. And I do believe that I mm. thought different. Um, and I still think that way. You right. know what I mean? And I, I hope that everybody thinks that way. You know, right. you are different and right. unique and set apart for right. a reason and a purpose. I can definitely remember growing up and yeah. seeing other kids houses and thinking, mine's not like that. No. No, yeah. we were the weirdos on the block. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. My parents were punks, you know, and that that wasn't, you know, a big thing. My dad literally looked like, well, my stepdad um, looked like if Howard Stern and Aerosmith had a baby, mm -hmm. that was their love child was my right. dad. That's a classic rock. Yeah. Really? yeah. <laughs> well, no, just very, very, yeah, very right. punk, very right. punk. Um, same thing with my mom, you know, bracelets all the way from here to, you know, Timbuktu up her arm and, mm -hmm. and you know, nasal piercings and all yep. kinds of cool stuff. Yep. They were now in hindsight, looking back, my parents were edgy. Right. You know what I mean? Right. But at the time they stuck out. And again, that, right. that created the same type of issue in me. You know, I didn't want to be seen. And here I have these parents when they were clean, they were good. They were, you know, activists in the community. They did things, you know, so it was always out in front and, and, here I am as a kid, like, I just don't want to be seen. So drugs were around all the time? Drugs were always around. Right. Um, they were just, you know, my my definition of clean and sober now was not my mother's definition. Right. You know, they were right. still okay with, you know, dipping and dabbing and thinking that was all right. You know, right. They'd have, a little bit of weed is okay. Yeah, she would right. smoke weed. They would yeah. drink. Um, Cigarette smokers? So, oh, God, yeah. Cigarette yeah. smokers, right. for right. sure. You think yeah. that's the gateway drug? Do I? Uh-huh. Nicotine? Mm. No, and this is the reason why I say this. I, I mean, it could be, but for myself, the first time I ever got outside of myself was, do you remember the choking game mm. where people, I was doing that in my bedroom by myself. Mm. And for me, that was the first time that I experienced any type of high whatsoever. Right. You know, right. and I had to have been in like the second grade, right. you know, maybe even right. before that, I can't recall. Yeah. But I do know that that was the first time that I had yeah. ever indulged in anything that would make yeah. me feel outside. Mine was food. You know what food. I mean? Food, yeah, because I felt comfortable with food. Food was like, oh, if I could yep. just get more of that food, what's going to have for dinner? What's for lunch? What's for dinner? Yeah. You know, because I knew that that would be a place where there'd be safety and comfort. Yeah. Food. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never thought about it that way. Yeah. I should. Yeah. Because yeah, I know I used to sneak it, all kinds of weird little things, right? you, know? you know? Fight over the cereal box, you know yeah. what I mean? Take it, hide it. Yeah. yeah. So my parents, uh, they were all like artists and musicians and, you know, you name it. So we right. always had really, really big parties. Um, my Aunt Kat and Aunt Rachel, we had this party and there was like some people that they flew in from England and they were all partying and they would smoke like these huge blunts where it's really like looking back now, I'm like, I don't know what they were. They were mixed with yeah, tobacco. What's up with the English guys, man? I don't know. They, they, it was they, a whole different ballgame. It wasn't this. It was like this. Yeah, it was like, so weird. It was really? so weird. But, right. you know, being yeah. a kid and being exposed to it, it, it was all okay. Right. You know, because mom and dad are doing it. Mom so and dad were doing it. it. Must be all right. Yeah, and it was always it was always okay. And right. their their background was Slavic. You know, my my grandparents mm -hmm. were Ukrainian. Mm -hmm. You know, so drinking was not a big deal. You know, right. it wasn't yeah. it wasn't frowned upon. Culturally. You could be eleven years old, and yep. and if you had a 
upset yeah. stomach, take a shot of whiskey or yeah, brandy or whatever it was. Yep. To yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> so I remember my um, my aunt Kat and Aunt Rachel being like, "Oh, you know, there's beer in the fridge. Go ahead and take one," and I did. And me and my friend, we went behind the garage, and you know, in hindsight, looking back now, I remember knowing at that point something was so much more different in me than it was in her. She took a drink and she was okay with that. I took a drink and I drank another. You know, at 11 years old, mm-hmm. smashed out of my mind at this party. You know, with parents and other adults walking around and nobody batted an eye. It was not a big deal. You know, here's a kid running around with a Budweiser and a bottle in her hand, you know what I mean? And nobody's saying anything. So that was definitely, that just, it blew blew up since then. You know, um, it, I was 11 years old at the time when I first drank. I was younger than that when I smoked cigarettes. But I also, that was also the first year that I smoked weed. And I remember um, with my brother and his friends, and I I was so high, I'll never forget that I was hallucinating. You know what I mean? 11 years old, so high, hallucinating, even having a moment in the mirror with myself in complete clarity. I remember looking in the mirror and asking myself, what are you doing? You know, at 11 years old, to be able to have a conscious thought stream through all of that influence that I was under Mm -hmm. and be able to have a conversation and say, what are you doing? Right. Did you end up parenting yourself a lot? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, Yeah, because we were like, you know, my parents allowed us to do whatever they thought. And I was always like the smart kid, the powerful kid, the strong kid, you know, the independent one, which gave me freedom to do anything that I ever wanted, you know, when really in all reality, why I was doing those things. Um, I just wanted somebody to pull my brake. Yep. You know what I mean? Please yep. pull my emergency yep. brake and nobody ever batteries. did. Give me a curb. Right. Yeah. I get it. On some ways you think you got like the coolest parents ever. They let you do whatever yep. you want. You know? And you see your friends like, oh, you can't, you know, I get to do that. But then you think, I wish somebody was telling me I, yep. I had to go to bed. Oh, yeah. Or somebody was telling me yes yeah. or that. Right? Oh, all my friends thought my parents were cool. Right. Right. So yeah. we, they thought we were the coolest parents ever. Mm-hmm. But in reality, we were parenting ourselves. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it was you. awful. Can relate it was to awful that. experience. So how did it progress? It got worse when we moved down here. So my mom um, started a business that was not, uh, it was not legal, basically. Mm. She ended up getting raided. Um, we moved down here. And that separation from everything that I'd ever known had created this disruption in my spirit where I didn't know what to do and I felt like I was flailing. Right. Um, when I ended up going to school here, I met people and it was just off and running, you know, yeah. because that's when like smoking blunts and weeds and, yeah. and, and weed and right. kind of was very, 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 very trendy. It right. was not a big deal. Right. And um, drinking, and it was the most worst right. drink ever. Like I can remember things like Mad Dog, yeah. you know what I mean? Like right. I don't even know what what is even in that. It's crazy you mentioned that because I think in a lot of ways, a lot of kids when they – get transferred from one school to the other, you know, they have this moment where they get integrated and they know immediately they're the new kid. They don't belong. And sometimes the only kids that will reach out to them mm-hmm. are the kids that are like the bad kids, yeah. right? Because they see you yeah. and they relate to you. Hey, you're an outsider. I'm an yeah. outsider. Come on. Yeah. I'm going to join this tribe, right? Yeah. And I, I see that happening with some kids, especially when they get, you know, dis- disrupted. They get planted into a new system. If they're not onboarded, not integrated, Cause it's tough. Oh you know, yeah, you'll gravitate. You, yeah. The next thing you know, somebody comes up to you and they're friendly. Yeah. And you're gone. You're yep. just gone. Whatever that group is, somebody, anybody like me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I'm I'm with your group. 
are consequences showing up in your life as far as using? No, I wouldn't have recognized them as consequences then. Mm. You know, I stopped really kind of going to school. I did mm. what I wanted, you mm. know, um, because there wasn't any parental consequences. Right. I right. didn't know about the, you know, the future life consequences that that would create. How can you? you know what I mean? How can yeah. You? Right. So no, it to me it was my life was fine. It was okay. I was doing right. what I what I wanted. Right. My soul, on the other hand, was in turmoil. Empty. You know, right. it was in turmoil. Right. It was yeah. excruciating pain for me all the time. Right. What we're talking about, I think, is you know, and we're talking about recovery at this point. I'm sure we're 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 going on the path. I mean, for all of us who are in recovery, we talk about a biopsychosocial mm-hmm. cure, right? I mean, the bio. It's not that difficult to understand what happens right. to your body when you become a addition. You know, the social, that's that's a whole com- complete thing, you know, physical, but that spiritual component. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where you feel the emptiness. You yeah. don't feel like you belong anywhere. Yeah. You don't feel like, you know, you can do it on your own. You don't know what to do to ask for help. You don't yeah. know where to go. You know, for me, I grew up in a in a in a in a home where there was this really strong faith, right? But it was kind of like a, hey, we gotta go to church. Yeah. Right? And then it was like, well, you know, it's Sunday, we gotta I think it was more for show, mm, I mean? mm-hmm. but it was what everybody did in the neighborhood because it was with that neighborhood where there right. was a school and people went to the, right, went to the church. And so I don't know. I, I remember very clearly early on having a, a sense of faithfulness, having a sense of higher power, mm-hmm. and then it went away. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And it was gone for a long time. Yes. You know, and you, and you just sense, well, where is that? And we're going to get into that a little yeah. bit. But but where where was the moment for you where you said, uh oh. I may be in trouble here. I may be in trouble because obviously things progress. Mm. I mean, our stories are probably a lot alike as far yeah. as it continues and it continues, it continues and maybe start consequences start showing up a little bit. Oh, okay. Okay. And then all of a sudden there's a moment where you go, I'm in trouble. Something just happened. Was there that moment for you? Um, I think it was like a series of moments, but I got so good at hardening my heart towards those moments. Mm. The, the one that sticks out the most to me is like towards the very, very, very end, you know, of my addiction. And, and in my darkest days, I remember coming to a place within myself that I knew that if I didn't stop, I was going to get killed. Right. You know, right. I was going to get killed. The people that I was running with were scary. Yeah. You know, they were scary yeah. people. Yeah. One of them's in prison now for shooting somebody in the face. Right. You, know you what take mean? a look so, around and you go, what am I doing here? Yeah. And, what, and what it, it, it did. Right? Yeah, that's how I was. I was in such a dark place, yeah. but I, I knew, yeah. you know, and that's kind of like even in my last moments where, you know, you have this cry out to to God to listen, you do it or I will. Right. You know what I mean? And I right. meant it. And right. I, you know, and I, I know I meant it. Like it makes yeah. me want to cry when I think about it because yeah. of the, the total destruction that I, I was in. I feel it right now across this room. Yeah. I feel it, you know, that yeah. moment. Because I, I, those of us that have been through that moment, we can all describe Sometimes several moments mm-hmm. where we can say, "Wow, yeah, wow, I can't ever believe that it was that bad in that mm-hmm. moment." And you look around, you know, for me, waking up in the morning and knowing I can't go to work again, again. Mm-hmm. At some point, you know, you have to make that turning point decision, right? When did it happen for you? What was it? Um, mine was in the form of an APD officer. Okay, there yeah. you go. Right, like, um, you know, as much as I wanted to stop. It was like my body was in autopilot, mm. you know. Yeah, the midbrain I'm, takes over. Yeah, Sorry. I'm screaming yeah, on the yeah. inside, like stop, stop, stop. Yeah, and it and it just yeah. I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't, and you know, yeah. and God knew better, and and He showed up, 
and arrested me, and I went to jail. Yeah. And I stayed there for, I think, like a total of eight months. Right. Um, they put me in the CBCF program. Um, right. But I had so many experiences while I was in jail. You know, I, I mean, I knew towards the end, like I had this anticipation in my spirit. I Something's knew gonna something was going to happen, Something's that happen. my rescue was coming. How right. it was going to come, I right. didn't know. Well, that's amazing. You know, yeah. so when I got to jail, I, I knew that that was the right. answer that I had been seeking, wow. you know, that I had finally came. You know, so I did. I took the opportunity and the space and just drowned myself in everything that I could. So how did you get connected with ARC? I mean, we're, I, mean I may be fast-forwarding oh, a no, little bit okay. past some important parts of your story. Sure. But so eventually you come into contact with this organization. I did. Right? In it's CBCF. a game changer. Game changer. Right? Yeah, 100%. The game 100%. They were completely right. different uh, clan yeah. of people. Like, right. Right. you know, they were so... My story is like growing up, I, I wanted nothing to do with Jesus. If you said right. the name, I would cringe. Oh, you know what I mean? Okay. I wanted nothing to oh, do with it. Right. You know, but. Um, why, why do you think that was? I mean, because I've thought a lot about that. You know what I mean? And what, even today, you know, because well, I deal with a lot of different people who do a yeah. lot of different things for recovery. And, you know, when we introduce people to a, to a, a spiritual approach. Yeah. Uh, which can be a lot of different ways. Mine's different than yours. But I think that at the apex of all of it, it's all about love and kindness and caring sure. and heartedness, right? Yeah. You know, and I think that a lot of it has to do with just just bad actors, you know, because a lot of the people yes. that we met that may have been, you know, involved in a spiritual approach to yes. their life, we just looked up at them and, you know, go, I, I'm not I'm not you. Yeah. I'm not you. You don't I don't see me in you. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So there had to be a difference there for you in that moment. Uh, well, what ended up, so I told you when my parents were good, they were mm -hmm. activists. So mm -hmm. they were the ones that were protecting um, women as they were walking into abortion clinics. Mm -hmm. You know, unfortunately, on the other side of that were the ones who were claiming that it was sin and it was murder and they right. were spitting on these right. young women. And right. I didn't understand, right. like something inside of me knew. Right that that wasn't right. And if God was love, that wasn't love. Right, right. And they would use the word Jesus. And I couldn't, I'm yeah, like, I, I don't want I no it. part get, of that. I get it. Yeah. I get it. You know, how does, how is that, you know, and, and, and for the people who may be listening to this podcast who may have different opinions, there's no disrespect going on None. here. We're just talking about the experiences that we have known as we have known them. What yeah. is real for us? Yeah. Our truth. Yeah, it's just And I think story. that's what I encourage, mm -hmm. no matter what it is when you're talking about any faith-based approach, is you have to speak from your own truth. Yeah. You know, that's it. You know, and and I sense that even some of them may have different different approaches than I do. Mm -hmm. You can always sense when it's honest, yeah. and authentic, and yeah. it's warm hearted. Yeah, absolutely. That's really the difference. Absolutely. You know, or if it's not, if it's a mean spirited, like yeah, you yes. gotta do what I want you to do because yes. you didn't do what I want you to do. You're bad. Yes. You're bad. Yeah. I already felt bad enough. You know what I mean? I knew I wasn't like everybody else. Oh my God! Right. I didn't need anybody to tell me. Yeah, please don't. I was worse. Right. Yeah, you know what I mean? Because don't. it hurt enough. Yeah. It hurt enough to me that I wasn't like your family. I didn't go to your schools. Mm -hmm. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't have a family dinner every night yeah. at five o'clock. I already felt bad enough. Right. Don't tell me that. Yeah. You know what I mean, don't yeah. make me feel worse. And yeah. I can remember very clearly those bad actors making me feel like you know what this is. This can't be it. Yeah. This can't be it. You know what? I think this is a good spot for us to take a little break. So we'll be right back after this. Our lives are not lived sequentially. After all, we're not a DVR. We have lives that take us in multiple directions, and sometimes absorbing our favorite podcasts are done sporadically and out of sync. 
We might have large amounts of time to listen and get caught up on episodes, and other times life in general just, you know, gets in the way. But here's the thing. Every guest, every topic, every journey, from the darkness into the light, has been and will be captured and preserved at recoverytalks.org. Miss an episode? No, you didn't. Every one of them is safely stored and kept in one place, designed to be listened to whenever life allows it. Recovery Talks, the podcast, at recoverytalks.org. You had a discovery moment. I, yeah, oh, when, like when Ark came in? Yeah. Yeah, so I ended up meeting somebody through there, and they were like, oh, come to church with me. Her name's Alicia Casper, actually. Mm-hmm. She used to go there. I'm getting ready to go see her in Florida. We're still friends. She That's still awesome. made it through the program. Yeah, it's fabulous. You know, and I was still, I was experiencing all that the churches that CBCF had to offer within, and mm-hmm. those were really cool. Mm-hmm. But when I went to Community of Christ, when I walked through the doors, you were talking about that voice that you heard earlier when we were having a conversation outside. Something happened within me. It was like this familiar feeling of comfort and peace and love. And at the same time, I heard the word home. Mm. And I didn't know exactly what they meant, mm. but I knew I was at peace with whatever yeah. was going to happen afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and the yeah. people that were there were just like me. You That's... know, they were drug addicts, yeah. you know what I mean, in recovery, yeah. Yeah. whether or not if it was from codependency, methamphetamines, alcoholism, right. you know what I mean, overeating, gambling, it sex, didn't food, matter. Whatever. Gambling, sex, food, it, it did not matter. Mm-hmm. I wasn't a leper, you know, right. I wasn't separate. Right. You know, I belonged somewhere, and they were so welcoming and open and understood grace and love and mercy and compassion, and those were all of the things that I needed, right. Right. you know? And, and when it all comes to the same thing, mm-hmm. and, obviously, because I we had a little discussion before we began where I said that I, I had grown up in a, in a Christian family. I, I think that the teachings of Jesus of Nazareth are just badass. Mm-hmm. Excuse my language, but I'm going to mm-hmm. say it. I think they are. You know, kindness, taking care of others, you know, yeah. sharing, caring, taking care of the sick. But... For me today, uh, where I'm at in my journey is I'm studying, you know, Buddhist teachings, and that, and that has to, a lot to do with warm-heartedness and mm-hmm. kindness and, and good intentions, right intentions, yeah. which I think they all meet. Again, they all sure. meet at the same place. Yeah, absolutely. So for those of our listeners that may be getting uncomfortable with oh. our discussion right yeah. now, right, <laughs> RV, let me just say that, you know, there are a number of very credible agencies out there that do support uh, faith-based initiatives. One of mm-hmm. them is the, um, obviously, SAMHSA, which is a substance abuse Mental Health Services Administration, and its parent agency, I'm sorry, yeah, the parent agency, the Department of Health and Human Services, has developed a program which is called the Center for Faith-Based and Neighborhood Partnerships, Mm -hmm. which integrates information from SAMHSA's with faith-based communities. And currently, they are funding over 800 agencies with grants across the United States. Beautiful. So um, don't tell me. But that's right. not a way you can't work. Yeah. <laughs> don't tell me. I don't want to hear that. Yeah. And, you know, I think that one of the things we, we deal with uh, when we talk about people in recovery, because you're a peer supporter, obviously you're much more than that. Mm-hmm. Because I work as a volunteer, you're really in there yeah. and really doing it. And I have such great respect for what you Thank do. You. I mean, I'm on the fringes just trying to catch, catch an outlier every now and then. Mm-hmm. But you're really in deep. One of the things we talk about when we talk about faith-based initiatives and spiritualism is people have their own scripting, mm-hmm. like you were talking about. They have their own Hey, don't know. Oh, you're going to say the God word. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You just lost me, dude. Just lost me, yeah. dude. Just lost me, dude. And, you know, and I try and tell them the story about, about a higher power or I ask them questions. I've got a little funny parable, which our listeners have heard a hundred times about the car. But, you know, I always want to say that if you don't believe in a higher power, just tell me, can you change the sunrise tomorrow? Right. Stop that rainstorm from coming in. Mm-hmm. Oh, so there might be a power that's mm. greater than you. 
Maybe. Eh, that's a good point. You know, that's a good point. A little bit, right? Yeah. So don't tell me that there isn't. And, and I always ask people to say, look at what medical science understood 100 oh, years yeah. ago versus what they understand now. Yeah. So don't tell me that the impacts of a deeply spiritual tradition mm-hmm. that is based in kindness and warm-heartedness and caring and love can't make a change and a difference in people's lives. Right. Don't yes, absolutely. tell me that. Because yeah. I don't buy. Yeah. I don't buy. So... Obviously, you hooked up with ARC. Yes. And um, just a little bit about ARC. You know, I mean, uh, this is a, a really well-known organization in, in the city of Akron, Ohio. Mm-hmm. Uh, phone number is 330-253-8803. And that's if you're listening out there and you're feeling like this message resonates with you, please pick up the phone yeah. and make a call because you're going to meet incredible people like like Angel. And she's obviously you now a clinical coordinator. That sounds like a lot of work. Man. Sounds fancy. You know what I mean? <laughs> clinical coordinator, man. It's like, whoa. It sounds yeah. like, you know, you know, a lot of people you got to be responsible for. Tell me what you do. What's your day like? You know? Oh, it depends on the day. <laughs> really? Right? And people ask me, yeah. Michael Shannon, what do you do during the day? I'm like, I don't know what person am I today. Yeah, today I'm podcaster day. boy. Tomorrow I'm executive consulting client. Uh, tomorrow after that I'm right. like, oh, music guy. Oh, yeah. I got to get my stuff together. But I think that that overreaching over all of that, no matter what we do, no mm-hmm. matter how we do it, is a firmly rated a basis of saying we ain't going back. Yeah. To who yeah. we were. Yeah. And what we did. Yeah. And absolutely. the way that we do it, you to a much greater degree than I do, is you're involved actively in helping people. Oh, yeah. That's yeah, the I game changer. It. We yeah. talk on this podcast a lot about what the three things are. Three things for me are don't use today. Well, yeah. I don't know how you do it. Find a way. Call me. Call yeah. you. Find a way. Number two is is find that tribe of peer support. Yeah. To me, the most powerful tool in getting sober and being in recovery is knowing there were other people that were just like me. Yeah, absolutely. That I wasn't a bad person. Yep. I wasn't a bad person. That was a big one to me. And the third thing is once you get it, you give it away. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of what we're doing our, right now in our own way. Yeah, so, absolutely. I don't know if you want to go to some of this stuff, but you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you to dig in a little bit sure. about your faith. Sure. Okay, if that's okay. Oh God, yes. Okay, when you talk about the teachings that you that you studied, mm-hmm. you know, um, what are some of the key ones that come up to you that you live by day by day? You know, we all I have mantras, I write them on a card. I have one actually in my book, which I forgot to bring out and set on the counter. I was gonna be a really cool guy and have it right there, but I forgot all about it, you know. What can yeah. I say? But what are what are some of the key teachings that keep you together when you start your day what are those things that you think about the teachings of your traditions like what i typically do um well that's really that's so broad because i feel like i'm always in it um i mean obviously for me yeah right i try to 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 try and have respect for everybody i come into whether or not we're agreeing or not especially when it comes to spiritual things, right yeah if you have a different tradition than me then, you know, more power to you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because if I believe you're sincere and your intentions are good, right? How do the folks that come into your organization, let's say they don't have a lot of belief, mm-hmm. you know, what are the things that help them come to believe? I mean, because it's, you're around other people. I mean, what what is it? You see something, you see a behavior in people, you see a, a group of people that follow teachings, you can go, I respect that, I want to be like that. I mean, because yeah. when you're at the front door sometimes, 
it's kind of tough. It is. So typically like with a person, so a lot of the problem is um, with us, we do, we have an identity issue when we come in, you know, Mm -hmm. whether or not if it's because we come into um, agreement with beliefs of like unworthiness or I'm not good enough. Right. Or I stick out. Right. I don't belong. Because right. none no of purpose. us in recovery ever felt that way, right? Right. right. So people come in with right. that. And I don't want to say like I see it physically because it's not always physically. Mm-mm. You know what I mean? Like Mm-mm. sometimes I can look at somebody and know. You do. You know, that there's there's a particular brokenness in you. Right. Suffering is easy to see for us, isn't it? Yeah. You know you why know? that is? Because we know what it feels like to suffer. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So for myself, though, like daily, like one of my things really is just to kind of get out of my own way. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like to, I just want to be a channel of God's peace. I want to do his work, you know, however that might look. I let him lead me and guide me. There's a lot of things that I stick to as far as like teachings. Um, I do thoroughly believe in like uh, speaking the word of God over myself. You know, I did have identity issues. So there's things that I say like... um, like, I am the righteousness of God in Christ mm-hmm. Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I am above and not beneath. He makes me the head and not the tail. I am mm-hmm. blessed with all of the spiritual blessings. I've heard you do this. Right. I'm a partaker That's in his powerful. divine nature. I watch you do it from a podium. Yeah, absolutely. You, you, and you quieted a room. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I believe in that, right. you know, because right. I know that the things that the world had spoke to me and things mm-hmm. other people had spoke to me to try to tell me what my identity was mm-hmm. weren't, do, weren't bearing any fruit. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. were leading me down a path of death. Right. Right. And what it was that God had for me I wanted, right. you know, right. so however right. it might have, however I needed to do whatever I needed to do, I did it. Right. You're preaching, sister. Mm-hmm. I feel it. <laughs> and you I ever saw consider the ministry? Did I do. Ever? I yeah. am. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah, absolutely. I yeah, I do messages. I can feel that yeah. from you. It's coming right through. Maybe you're supposed to do that, you know? Mm-hmm. Maybe this is the moment you'll look back and go, This is a confirmation moment. I'm <laughs> you know, that guy with the hat and the glasses. Absolutely. That's what I knew. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Because I feel it from you. Yeah. It's as clear as can be. Yeah. I see it all around you. It's a nice little spiritual experience, ain't it? All around you. You're preaching, sister. Yes. Well, I think people need that. You know, they do. Because what's the one thing that we can always do for someone? You know, we can always lift them up, right? Encouragement. Always Encouragement. lift them up. And they're Absolutely. the ones that need it the most. The ones right. that are hurting, the ones that are mean, the mm-hmm. ones that make little snide remarks, yep. the ones that are maybe criticizing you from the side. Right. What's the one thing they all want? They all want to be lifted up. Right. You know I mean? Absolutely. Because they all need that. Yeah, we'll you know pick I mean? you up. I'll dust you yeah. off. Right. I'll tell you who right. you are. Right. Let me Speaking show you. Speaking words of kindness, too, and using honesty with a measure of kindness. Mm-hmm. I think that's another thing that I think that those of us in the tradition of really, really digging deep into the spiritual aspect of recovery, we always remember that no matter what the message is, it's always better served with kindness. Yeah, amen. Always. Absolutely. Always. Absolutely. You know, you're talking about the ministry. I'm talking about some of the traditions that, I, that I've been around and seeing that, you know, in congregations, one of the mm-hmm. things that's most difficult for a lot of pastors to realize is that, that you know, out of 100 parishioners they may have, there might be 20% of them who are suffering from mental health issues. Yeah. Those are the statistics from SAMHSA. Yeah. It could be 21 in 5 are struggling mm-hmm. in the congregations. The people we serve, whether you want to call it your yeah. ministry, your congregation, your tribe. I use yeah. the word bandmates. I use all kinds of stuff yeah. being a musician. But pretty much one out of every Five people yeah. are struggling with some mental Absolutely. health issues. And of those one in five, only 8% get help. Yeah. You know? And almost four of them, four out of 100 people we may meet in our, our tribes, yeah. are going to have long-term 
struggles with right. mental health and may not get well yeah. for those. And how do we reach out and grab those? I think about that a great deal when we're talking to people. We were talking about an experience I had yeah. yesterday doing some service work and, and seeing a person that is obviously you can see it and you can see it all over the face, yeah. right? You can see the pain and the hurt and the suffering. And you know, and those are long term problems yeah. that we may or may not be able to help and solve, you know. So I mean I guess what we can always do in the notes that I made here is we can always share our stories in faith. Yeah. Okay. Whatever your faith tradition is, sure. whether it's yours, whether it's mine, as long as it's delivered with warm heartedness, kindness and love, you know, and we can always, you know, work hard in our communities to reduce that stigma. Yeah. You got to slay the stigma. Because I think one of the things that I hear, especially among peer supporters, mm-hmm. the most difficult thing they have to communicate to the, and I'm going to use this word, non-believers mm-hmm. of people in recovery from substance use disorder or mental health issues is that there is really an illness or a disorder going on there. Absolutely. Most people think it's behavioral. You're just not, you no, know, no. You're, not you're not following the light. Yeah. If you would just, you know, if you could just, yeah. why don't you go get a job? Yeah. Right? If you just got a job, yeah. everything's going to be fine. Yeah. Don't not you understand? It's work. Human being. It's work. Yeah. It's work. Yeah, you know absolutely. I mean? Right? Because, you know, you need to be an earner. Right. You know I mean, when you may not realize, yeah, I can't be an order because I can't leave my room because I'm paralyzed with depression. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right? Or fear. And, yeah. Right? There's so many things. Right. right. Do you see those people in your program? Absolutely. How do you help them? Absolutely. How do you help them? Well, if they're within our scope of practice, then they stay within us. Right. You know what I mean? But we right. usually refer people out for any type of like psychiatric care medications. Right. But um, it's it's the same thing. It's just right. love and kindness and caring and, right. and talking about it, you right. know, and not sweeping it under the rug and right. believing the stigmas you know just because you have mental health doesn't mean that you know i'm going to scream you know whatever it is that you have because the whole world needs to know i'm so happy to hear you say that because when i first came into a program of recovery i was involved in a step program and and i and i I encountered some and we all did right Mm -hmm. you know some of the more maybe more the old timer hardliners that believed that just reading a book and believing in a higher power was enough for me i really struggled with mental health issues Mm -hmm. you know what i mean and there was no amount of reading or yeah. believing at that point until I was able to cope with some working out and working through with professional yeah, help, yeah. you know? And I tell people, I mean, you break your arm, you go to a doctor right. and, and you be there in right. 30 minutes. Right. You're like, oh, my arm is yeah. You know, but your heart is broken. Yeah. Your head is broken. I'll do it tomorrow. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I just, we have to encourage people, especially yes. in the rooms or in your practice, yeah. we have to encourage people that there's no stigma oh, God, please, with yes. going and getting yeah. and saying, Hey, today I couldn't get out of my room again. Mm-hmm. That's not okay. Yeah. And it's okay to not be okay. Right. It's okay to not be okay. It's the stigma that is the only thing separating us from the people you believe and don't right. believe. And and so um, how do you address that when you, when you talk to people about stigma because I'm sure they tell you stories about, yeah, I'm here, but boy, my family, when I, when I, yeah. when I get my, when my family's going to come visit or when I talk to my family, they're not going to understand. They're not going to get it. What are the things that you say to help those people? Well, typically like usually with things like that, it's because it, we believe a lie. Yeah. You know what I mean? We believe a lie. So we kind of address the lie, um, even individually, like, because I do counseling and then I also teach um, IOP. Mm. But even we do um, almost a whole week on barriers and stigmas right. and what we're really in recovery from. Right. Because most of the time, 
you know, yes, I understand I have mental illness. I'm in recovery from that. But I need to recover from the things that the world has told me that I am. Right. Or what, you know, what my right. family has the told stories, me that I am. The stories in my head. Right. So right. if I can build up who you are on the inside, when yeah. your family comes knocking and whatever right. words or stones they might have to throw, right. Right. you're able to withstand that. Right. Do you and that's what you I do can role do. Do you role-playing sometime with, 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 with the In clients? IOP? Yeah. Oh, God, yes. I know, right? Oh, yeah. I used to hate do that. All that. Hate, I know, but it's so beneficial. Hate, you used to make hate, me cringe. Hate. <laughs> hate but then when yeah. i did it i was like okay it wasn't that terrible yep. and then it was like doing push-ups yes. right it's the first one yep it's repetition it's the first one it's repetition first push-up yeah every morning when i hit the floor i'm like i don't want to do yep. it but that's really what it is it really is is overcoming that ability it is. In, in art and in writing we call it the art of resistance right mm -hmm. the hardest part for me being a writer isn't the writing it's the sitting down to write because you know I got to get a cup of coffee first. I yeah. let Martin the this, dog this, out, this, this, and then this, oh, this. I forgot yeah. the text, yeah, yeah. and they got the thing. And I'm sure it on my head. That's not it. Yeah, it's sitting down to write because once I do the work, sit down to do the work, it, it's there. Yeah, but it's that art of yeah, resistance. That's who comes up. Yes, this is great. I mean, are there? There's some stuff coming up, right? We, we want to talk about. We want to yeah. talk about. Um, recovery fest. This is recovery yes. fest. You can see our camera here, folks. You can see this. So tell me, tell us a little bit about your event. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of people that are involved in these events, and and uh, you know, I, and it's always funny to me when people come to see me or my band play. They're saying, "Oh, you do so much." I'm like, "Yeah, let me introduce you to the people that really do the work." Yes, here. there's a whole you team. Know, I get to walk on oh, and be Mr. Rockstar Boy and play yep. the guitar and sing. But no, no, no. That's not how it happens. How it happens is a lot it's of people get together with a lot of planning yep. and a lot of hard work and a lot of sweaty days. Yep. So tell us a little bit about your event because I was there last year and I sweated. Um, like it's pretty long. good size. I think we usually have an average of about 600 people. Oh, that's amazing. Um, yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, we have like food trucks, inflatables for kids, mm. and like mm. the, the amount of resources. I can't remember if it was 60-something or 80-something resources. And it's it's everything that you can think of in the community and even mm. in, in some of the adjoining counties. Mm. Everything from substance use disorder, treatment facilities, to community resources, to resources for kids. Um, and then, of course, we have a couple speakers that will come. They'll give their story. Right. Um, and then we have, like, live music. That mm. This year it's uh, the Community of Christ worship team. It's awesome. Which, oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah it's We really are. I'm, I'm right. not even trying trying to toot our own horn, but we're pretty cool. Right, you you know? sing? Do you sing too? I do. Oh, absolutely. I feeling we were relating on that level there. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Cool. My heart so is in it. the Recovery Fest this year is the 5th of August, but this is a yearly event. Yes, it's yearly. So if you happen to be listening to this podcast or watching this mm -hmm. YouTube video, then you could come, you could go online at? ArcRecoveryServices.com. Okay, so that one more time. One more time. Arc Recovery, Arc Recovery Services. Services. Yep, Google it, you'll find us. That's yeah, cool. Yep. And so that and it's a free event. Is that what's happening? It is one hundred percent free. And Absolutely. One hundred percent free. Just to remind everybody there's gonna be live music, food, trucks, recovery tables, speakers, yes. inflatables. I want inflatables. I like inflatables. Oh, you know, yeah, I don't it's want a whole course. I don't want to blow yeah. up though. Okay. But this <laughs> is called this year is called Capture the Moment Capture Recovery Fest twenty twenty two. I just want to tell our listeners I'm so deeply honored that you came to spend your time with Thank me you. today because you know, in a lot lot of ways and it's often what i tell a lot of our podcast guests is you just never know mm -hmm. when you're helping somebody you yes. just never know and it's almost always somebody comes up to me you know and says hey you know i was listening to that podcast and then of course i i go into a, a bliss like which one was it which one was right, it? right but and they said the, when, when i heard your guest say this when her said that that made me think this mm -hmm. when you i did because yes. and I think sometimes those are the most powerful words, you know. So, you know, thanks again. We're, we were talking to 
Angelica Angel Nichols, mm-hmm. okay, who is an LPN, CDCA, and OCPS. That's awesome. And she's also clinical coordinator at ARC Recovery Services. Um, from the bottom of my heart and from all our listeners, thank you for coming here today. Thank Appreciate you. Appreciate you. It's an honor. So if you're listening out there, just make sure that you can find us at all the places you can normally find us. You can find uh, Recovery Talks, the podcast at recoverytalks.org. And remember that um, the most important thing for all of us out there is to stay standing, Stay connected and steady on. Mm -hmm. Thanks again. Thank you.